read again from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the first two verses. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Here we have a metaphor, the earthly house of this tabernacle for our physical bodies. It's a reference to the tents that they lived in. In those days, the tents were handmade, and even the best quality uh, tent has a limited life. It's temporary. It will wear out. It will be folded up and carried to the next spot. So it is with our body. Paul said our, our outward man perishes. We undergo, undergo a process of deterioration. I don't have to tell you that. But the same text holds promise of a new body. We like the idea of that. The temporary will give way to that which is permanent. That which the Bible, Paul, refers to as earthy, will give way to that which is heavenly. I realize a new body is not something that those younger necessarily give much thought to. Oh, they may wish, the shorter may wish they were taller, and the taller may wish they are shorter. And we come in different sizes and shapes, so we may not be happy necessarily with what God made when he made us, but he made us. So the best stance is to be content with the way God made you, because he did a good job. I can look out and see that. Our grandsons, from the time they were toddlers, grew up being told they were going to be tall like Grandpa. I know, it, it took them several years to figure that out. But their dad was tall, so that was a safe uh, ploy. And they may catch up with me yet. But there's no virtue in being taller or shorter, or narrow or wide. We, we want to be tall in the Lord. We want to be what God would have us be in the inner man. And in the inner man, the Bible tells us, is renewed day by day. But the, out, the outward man does undergo that process of deterioration. And as I say, the younger may not give much thought to it. I sneak over and watch them play basketball from time to time, and they run up and down that court and shoot. Once in a great while, somebody passes. <laughs> but that's, uh, they have lots of energy, boundless energy. But as, as time goes by, things change. Those who used to bound up steps, taking two at a time, go one at a time, and then hold on to the rail as they creep slowly at a time, one at a time. There's aches. There's pains, there's uh, creaking uh, joints and popping knees. All of those things come about. And, of course, it's no laughing matter that some face very severe limitations. But we have hope. 
and perhaps those with the most severe limitations have the greater hope in view that one of these days there will be a new body. And that's what we anticipate. Paul recognized the, the nature of these earthly bodies and the limitations they uh, possess. He said we have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel, in earthen vessels. So picture perhaps a, a potted plant. Picture the pot wherein the, the plant has been placed. It, it's made of clay, or we might say dust. And over time, even that will deteriorate. You're made of the same material, dust. It gives us a greater appreciation of dust, doesn't it? Maybe or not, I don't know. But anyway, we shall return to dust, or the dust shall return to earth. We read in Ecclesiastes 12:7, as it was, and the Spirit then returns to God who gave it. To the Romans, Paul said, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain until, together until now. So it's not just our earthly bodies. It seems all of uh, creation travails, anticipating uh, a day where there is a new heaven and a new earth. But he says, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. When we think of redemption in this sense, we think of an exchange. We think of a trade. And sure enough, we will trade in these bodies for a better body. And we want to keep that in, in view. Paul, I think, registered, uh, it registered this idea to him in a, in a greater sense because of what he went through. He was beat up both literally and figuratively. He said, of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes save one. Five times whipped brutally, repeatedly. How he survived that was the grace of God. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once stoned, and we read about that in the Acts of the Apostles, where they thought he was dead. Perhaps he was. But they gathered around him and prayed, and, and God raised him up. Three times he suffered shipwreck. A night in the day in the deep, which we suppose means at sea. With no help in sight, but help came, obviously, because he continued on eventually. All kinds of perils, which he states, but moreover in weariness, painfulness, hunger, thirst, cold. He had experiences that, thankfully, we have not had, but as a result, when he got to this point in life, he, he looked to the future and anticipated the day when all things were made new, and including the fact that he, he would have a new body. In addition to all of that, there was given to him a thorn in the flesh. It may have been a physical ailment. Different scholars have different views of that. He does say a messenger of Satan. So it could have been those who 
undermined his authority or assassinated his character. But either way, he viewed that as a good thing. He just heard about grace. He prayed that God would deliver him of whatever this element was, but God said, my grace is sufficient for thee because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He said, I bear in my bodies, in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So it's no wonder that when he evaluated it, he said, I am in a strait betwixt the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, he realized that God deemed it best that he stay with them and try to encourage them in their faith. But we have, we have hope that relief comes. There's victory ahead. Whether you are plagued with limitations or, or not, we still have a hope in view of a, of a new day that will include a new body. He wrote in the earlier chapter in Second Corinthians, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus. That day's coming, and we look forward to it. We might wonder what that new body will be like, and we have a we have a sense of what it will be like. John the Beloved wrote, Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. So we may have to take some editorial license here. But at the same time, he said, But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And Paul again to the church at Corinth he wrote, and it's, it's worth noting that he began, First Corinthians at least, with emphasis on the cross. And as he went through the writing, he, his emphasis changed toward the end to the resurrection. If we have hope of a new body at the resurrection, we must first visit the cross. But he said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Won't that be a day? Why the canes and the hearing aids and the eyeglasses will drop with a clatter to the floor, and the saints will rise. I don't want to be here to clean up afterward, do you? Paul describes our natural bodies, as I mentioned earlier, as earthy, physically corrupted in the sense that they deteriorate, destined for burial in weakness. We, we know this. But we're sown in weakness and raised in power. We're sown in a natural body and we're raised a spiritual body. These bodies are suited for this life, but they won't work in heaven. 
So it's necessary that they be redeemed, in this sense exchanged, also redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There was an exchange made there, a substitute, Him dying on that cross in our place. But this exchange, this exchange is an old body for an, a new one. Jesus, after he was crucified and rose from the dead, his body had form. He walked. He conversed. He ate. He entered into rooms, the doors being shut. So the law of gravity and time and space was and will be suspended in that sense. So you can expect in your new body to eat, though you won't be hungry, and to drink, though you won't be thirsty. You can move about from one place to the other. And I don't think it'll be awkward if you show up unannounced. You'll just be there. Your, your new body, you, you'll never grow tired. If there was to be basketball in heaven, you'd run up and down and up and down and up and down all day long. Except there's no day. There's no time. You wouldn't wear out. But you'll have better things to do. We won't grow old. There'll be no temptation. In the wintertime, you'll not be cold. Well, we could debate winter and summer. You won't be too hot. You'll have no complaints. What, what will you complain about? But we have no complaints here. That, that's, this is preparation for then. Because we'll be more like what we will be by the time we leave here if we live the way God intended we live. So no aging process. We read, it'll be an exciting time. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame man shall leap as an heart. Have you ever seen a deer skip through an open field? They just effortlessly leap when there's nothing to leap over. They just do it. You'll do that. And those who have never been able to sing will do so like the birds who, that we're beginning to hear now as we approach springtime. Or did we pass it? I have to look at my... I think we're there. Maybe it's tomorrow. Anyway, sorry. It's hard to think in front of everyone. We'll be unashamed. Remember back in the garden, Adam and Eve were ashamed. They were exposed. And it was more than their state of undress. But our bodies will be clothed. We read with white garments, pure. They're undefiled by sin. We'll have new bodies, but it looks like we'll be recognized. 
I remember for a time, 30 years ago, I wore contact lenses and uh, someone made reference to who, who actually had preached that night in Portland long before I... Well, anyway, and they, somebody asked, who preached? Well, it was the guy who wasn't wearing his glasses. I was told I would be able to see much better, but that didn't work out. So anyway, I say that to say if you're wearing glasses now, you, your new body won't need them. But you'll still be recognized, and you won't be referred to as the person who forgot their glasses. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Then shall I know even also as I am known. So you'll be recognized at the transfiguration. Jesus was transformed or transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. But Peter, James, and John knew him as Jesus, and furthermore, uh, shortly Moses and Elijah showed up, though they had been dead for uh, centuries. They knew it was Moses. They knew that was Elijah. We sing the song, and the Bible declares there's a new name written down in glory. A new name written down in glory. That can be taken two ways. Up in glory, there's a role, and your name is written there. But is it your new name or your old name? Well, I don't know, but you'll have a new name in glory. We had a sermon here a couple of weeks ago where the brother didn't like his name and he wanted another name, so he told his mother to call him John. And uh, she said, whatever. And uh, he went, and then the occasion came about where he realized that he wanted his old name back, so he went to his mother and asked her, can I have my old name back? And sure, whatever. Well, whether you like your name now or don't like your name or really have not ever given it much thought, you're going to have a new name. And you'll like it. It'll be good. All things will be new. We we say, say that at funerals, but it is warranted now, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death. That relates to the body, nor sorrow. Think of the, really the stress, or what stress and anxiety do to the physical body. Those elements wear down, wear us down. Well, there will be no sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Most people don't like pain. Well, you won't have it anymore with the new body. There'll be, you won't need to replace parts. It, it's going to be perfect. If, if you've never been told you look perfect, that day will come. But you do. You look awfully close to perfect, all of you now. But you will be perfect in your new body. 
Paul said, for me to live is Christ. That's good. It's very good to live for Christ. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Nobody really looks forward to dying, but we look forward to being in heaven. We're less concerned with our current state when you consider what we could complain about if we wish to. We're less concerned about our current state than we are about our future state. We want to concentrate on what's ahead rather than the present or the past. What is ahead is our eternal state. And that will be glorious. Paul had that in mind when in the earlier chapter, chapter 4 of the same epistle, we faint not, for though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. And he went on to uh, articulate that our affliction, our current affliction is temporary, but we're looking forward to that which is eternal. And that is what we want to always keep in view. Uh, we will live in a glorified state. Our salvation will be complete when we move from this life to the next. We don't lose hope along the way. We keep our courage up because we have every reason to be encouraged. Look what's ahead. We're listening for the sound of the trumpet. We shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we will join them in the azure above. Glorification is eternal and is well worth whatever endurance is demanded between now and then. Is that your hope? Do you have that eternal hope? Is that what guides your life? Well, if not, it can. There's nothing more important than having your name written in heaven, whether it's your current name or the new name or both names. We need to have that assurance. We need to have that hope. It will guide us through life. It will keep us uh, optimistic at what's ahead because good things are ahead. It will uh, keep us distracted from the turmoil below. We're just passing through. We're going to have a song of invitation. We encourage everyone to kneel in this house of prayer, look heaven's way, and have that assurance of the hope ahead.